for this. What is nothing? Now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. Hey, welcome to That's Deep, Bro. I'm your host, Christina Pajitsky. Uh, this is Serious Questions with Silly People. And um, today, my my topic, you know, it's less philosophical than more life practical. I want to talk about emotional vampires. Ugh, you know what I mean. Narcissists. Narcissists. Narcissism. There's so much of it in my business, I know. And, and hey, maybe you've dated a few. Maybe, maybe a narcissist raised you. <laughs> Uh, we're going to explore that with my friend Leslie. She's going to be stopping by. She's, um, I absolutely love her. Uh, she's a producer. She worked on a show that I was on. And I just absolutely adore her. And, and you're going to love her too. Uh, but before that, hey, are you in Los Angeles? Do you live in the kind of LA area too, surrounding? Come see me do stand-up at Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank, Flappers, August 7th and August 8th. Two nights only, I'll be doing shows. Um, it's a great club, Flappers Comedy in Burbank, I'm telling you. Uh, go, and go and eat their their wings. And I know that's so, it sounds gross, but they actually have really good food there. <laughs> uh, Flappers Comedy Club. And I've, I've known the owners of that place forever. They're such good people. It's flapperscomedy.com. Get your tickets there to see me August 7th and August 8th. That's just around the corner. So I suggest you buy them now because, I, you know, who knows? Who knows what will happen? You don't know. We don't know where the wind blows. <laughs> so ridiculous. Oh, my God. It rained yesterday in L.A. and people lost their minds. It was it was just it's so funny. It's, you know, it happens for us like twice a year and people really go bonkers. But I enjoyed it. It's nice, right? A little change of pace. A little something, something extra. Um, okay, well, let's get to it. All right, here we go. Uh, narcissists, human vampires. <laughs> God, the world, it seems like the world is full of them, man. Especially with social media today. And I don't know. Anyway, Leslie and I get into it. Peep it out, peep it out. Cause I'm a reborn man 
All right. So with me is uh, I was originally going to bill you as a mystery guest, and then we decided to do first names. So welcome, my friend Leslie. Hi. Hi. And you know I'm going to protect your life because you you have one. You have That's a true. respectable gig in in the comedy world. Let's just say that because everybody on the show is hilarious. And <laughs> uh, but you know you've got kids and a life, so <laughs> fuck that. Um, but I wanted to discuss narcissism with you today because uh, I see a therapist. Are you in therapy? I am. Oh, yes. how long have you been doing it? On and off for probably eight years, if you don't count the Ooh. the couple times I was taken when I was a child just to check in. But oh, you, your parents took you as a kid? Yeah. Oh, you're, that's so great. I wish my parents did that. I, I wish it. Well, you know, when you're eight, you don't know that you need that constant conversation and i think my parents did their best to provide that in my life in general but um we did kind of check-ins like we're getting a divorce go talk to this person we feel better about our divorce now momentarily because you're talking to this person but that's so smart though at least they had the wherewithal um my mother uh who is a borderline which i talk about too much on the show but (laughs) the point is uh one time my stepsister was yeah, my stepsister and I had just stolen something. I don't know what happened. We were getting in trouble. And we begged to go to a shrink. And we're in therapy. And the, the therapist is kind of picking up that it, it might be my mom's fault that the family is a little out of <laughs> whack. And my mother immediately gets upset and is like, fuck this, fuck this shit, and storms out of therapy with oh. the family. So that was the first and last time we did it as a, as a family. But I, that's cool. That's good. So it's cool that you asked to go to therapy. How oh, old were you? Oh, get your life. I mean, listen, <laughs> I was begging to see a shrink. I begged them to put me in a mental hospital when I was 14. I was so angry when yeah. I was a teenager. I just, I begged them to send me to a therapist because I was suicidal and I was, I, I wanted to die when I was 14. And I, I, um, I had a suicide attempt and I went to, after, you know, I recovered physically. I said to my mother, I go, look, I'm sick. Something's wrong with me. I need to go and see a shrink. And my mother decided not to let me see. You're like, I'm trying to parent myself. You're not <laughs> parenting me. I want to parent myself. And now you're not going to let me parent me. Thank yeah. you. Can you just let me have this bitch? Yeah. <laughs> you're checked out. Clear. So uh, instead of sending me to a therapist, they sent me to an all girls Catholic school. And the fear being my mother's fear was that the shrink would know I was suicidal and they put me away in some kind of hospital and that would be the end of that. But is that really what, I don't even know if that that's the truth of it, but that was her fear that I would be stigmatized because it would be a public record or something. Do you think she was really afraid of being exposed? Thank you. Well, Leslie, that's interesting. (laughs) You should mention because that would be the trait of, a narcissist hey oh hey oh <laughs> we did it <laughs> we got there yeah because when the shaming becomes public is the only time that the narcissistic parent um starts to give a shit essentially yeah because there were signs clearly that i was going downhill but it doesn't matter until it's public and then they're forced to cope with it god my silence is speaking a lot. <laughs> Do you have the same experience? Um, I wouldn't say so much. Uh, parents, 
no, but in relationships, yes. You've been with uh, par- partners. A partner, with tendencies, yeah. yeah. I've been with a partner who, uh, it's, it's staggering the small things that I've done wrong in relationships and beat myself up for, and then the very large things a partner of mine has done and then <laughs> not cared <laughs> until someone found out, and it was they were more upset about people finding out. As opposed to me being upset about, you know, about their indiscretion or right. their behavior right. at becoming public as opposed to, oh, my God, I've hurt my, my right. beloved. It's like you fucked with the family photo. What are you doing? Which <laughs> is always fascinating to me because like, you know, how some people get they buy a place and different people have different priorities about and they have the right to have the priority of what's important to them, whether it's how it's painted on the outside, what color the door is. I. I get in a place and I like my my stuff, my space, and I like to feel comfortable. And I always notice that a part my partner would be very, very concerned about what the outside looked like. We had to have the, mm. the blinds right from the inside. It wasn't if the blinds were keeping the sun out, per se. It was, do they look great from the street? That was mm. always something that I... I noticed. Isn't that weird? And it's a little distinction, but it's a big, it's a big, it speaks volumes. It, I, it, I didn't notice it until I could come back to it and be like, that is a perfect example of just like the worry of being exposed. It's, it's complex, but it is. And it, that's exactly it. The worry, the worry of being exposed and the exposure being that maybe they're a failure inside. They, maybe they, are self-loathing. And so, okay, so I'm reading this book this week called Trapped in the Mirror. It's about narcissism. I highly recommend it if you suspect you're in a relationship with somebody who's narcissistic. Maybe you had a parent that was a little callous and checked out. (laughs) Uh, So this is a definition. Here we go. Um, This is so, it's so good to hear this. Uh, You know, I always go to books. I believe that books are like the holy grail. Like humans have existed. Yeah, for thousands of years, they've written down all the stuff that you need to know about. Why not read them? So a narcissist is interested only in what reflects on her, right? Yep. The blinds. All she does or experiences is seen as a reflection of self. The name of this psychological aberration is derived from the ancient myth the Greek myth of Narcissus, a beautiful young man, beloved of the nymphs. The nymph Echo fell in love with Narcissus' beauty, but he paid no attention to her increasingly mournful cries to the god. Basically, this asshole kept looking <laughs> in the his own reflection, and the, they punished him, the gods, um, to fall, making him fall in love with his own reflection. That's the anyway. So there's a book, the DSM three book, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And so this is it. These are the characteristics uh, of a narcissist. An inflated sense of self-importance. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This borderline's on, like, comedians. Gosh, right. so many. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, sometimes. Fantasies of unlimited success. Oh, yeah. Sounds great. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Fame. What? Who in this room? <laughs> Power. No. Beauty. And perfect love, uncritical adoration. I think that's the difference, the uncritical. Right, not identifying, not able to identify. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're not not allowed to criticize them because they grow, they get real gnarly about it. All right, hold on, let's finish the list and then we'll go through it again. (laughs) (laughs) Exhibitionism, a need to be looked at and admired. A tendency to feel rage with little objective cause. 
a readiness to treat people with cool indifference as punishment for hurtful treatment or as an indication of the fact that they have no current use for the person. God, that is show business too, IT. A tendency towards severe feelings of inferiority, shame, and emptiness. A sense of entitlement accompanied by the tendency to exploit. A tendency to over-idealize or devalue people based largely on a narrow focus. And uh, an inability to empathize. Ugh. The list is ex- extensive, but not all-inclusive. So, Welcome to LA. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, to some extent, don't you feel like um, you have all these feelings like as a human on any given day? Yeah, definitely. I think managing them is the inability to manage them. And I don't mean control them or squash them, but the adaptation is what keeps you safe. If you're, if you're stuck on either end of narcissus or echo, you're, you're either in deficit or just yeah. stomping people. Yeah, because I took the test, the quiz. I, I know you did too. You were texting him. <laughs> I'm a nine. I'm, right. Was I a seven? You're a seven. I'm seven. It's See, very surprising. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Comedian. Yeah. In LA. Check. Same thing. Producer in LA. Check. Yep. Yeah. And um, I should be, and I was on a reality show and it said reality stars in particular. <laughs> Top of the list. Top of the list of narcissists. <laughs> I think, you don't strike me as one at all yeah. on my limited understanding. Well, of I'm them. very brilliant, so that would make sense. I'm very special. <laughs> you are so special. <laughs> I think I have the opposite. I have the um, the I'm not so special. I think I I think I fall into the trap of uh, diminishing my own stuff because I had such narcissistic parents, right. and that's the crux of it: is that they feel shitty about themselves, the the parent, the narcissist, and so that's kind of what you internalize as the child of one. Right. Yeah. Cause they'll, they'll build you up to kind of shit on you. I think is how the thing goes. Right. And you become echo in the story. Right. You become hushed and don't have your own voice. <sighs> yeah. That's a huge part of this is that you're always afraid of being out in the center of the voice. You're always on the periphery. You're always on the sideline. But here we go. Okay, so let's go through this again. I love this so much. An inflated sense of self-importance. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I also had a friend that I just broke up with who was I narcissistic. I remember you telling me that. What, yeah. what happened? Well, let's see. Um, it's just very callous. Yeah. It was one of those things where uh, we had some kind of disagreement and she completely didn't acknowledge. And it was immediate like defensiveness towards my claim and then she just completely denied anything but it was very her her what she had done was very self-serving and very me 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 and i don't think she ever gave a shit about me right. really at the end of the day the narcissist isn't capable of uh giving giving a shit right i think that's the truth <laughs> i think we I think I'm learning that we slide back and forth. And I told you about the the book I was reading, Rethinking the Narcissist, which I'm not all the way through it, so I can't. Rethinking the Narcissist, that's the title? Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, but the a point that was made early on in the book was there are times to be, if you redefine narcissists as needing to feel special, which we all do, we were born needing to feel special, which is why we are parented till, till a certain age, treated by people that were we're the center of the universe. We think they're the center of the universe. It's it's designed like that for a reason. And then you wean yourself off of that and realize you're oh, not right. you're not the only thing that matters. So 
basically if we can adapt enough to have the skills to kind of shuffle between needing to feel special and relishing it when necessary and also giving that to others, that's the safe place you want to be. Like if you're pregnant and you need your husband to take care of you, if Mm -hmm. you're feeling blue and you need to be coveted and paid attention to, that's that's a time when you should need to feel special. Mm -hmm. And that's a time when another person should give that to you. That's why we're surrounded by family and friends and people. You know, if your husband suffers a loss or a death or something, that then it's your turn. Of course, yeah. And he needs the nurturing and the love and the. Mm-hmm. I think my experience, you know, with a couple people in my life has been, I'm pretty sure I'm the one that needs something right now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm the one that needs extra special care right now, and my, you're telling me I'm not allowed to have that ex- extra special care, and that that's when it gets confusing, whether by a parent or a spouse. That's so, and it's so, um, and here's, here's the thing too, uh, is that those of us that grow up with narcissistic parents tend to date narcissistic people later because it feels comfortable. Right. It doesn't feel good. It just feels what you know. normal. Yeah. Um, but what you're talking about too, that, that thing, I mean, that, that's what I felt constantly growing up is having needs that were just completely um they would fall on deaf ears i was a pain in the ass to people you know get out of here go play on the freeway i heard that one a lot <laughs> go play on the freeway Ouch. kid yeah it's fine now you know whatever i'm in therapy but um <laughs> my uh step grandfather said go play on the parkway just different go. side of the country there you go, <laughs> go play on the parkway the parkway um, but also the invalidation, the constant invalidation that comes from narcissistic uh, partners or parents. Like I remember just um, having a feeling about something like, you know, I don't really like grandma. I don't think I like her. Oh, you want to turn it down? Oh, is that okay for you? Yeah, I, okay. I, I can. Are you? Is it you too loud? You just got a little ear? loud. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it was to my you? knob. It wasn't you. Oh, okay. So you got it. Yeah, um, I remember stuff like, like, I don't like grandma. I don't really like hanging out with her. No, you don't. You love her. Like that constant invalidation. Yeah. That's infuriating. 100%. That is so fucking infuriating. And, I, and even to this day, I, I can't stand when people, my dad will do that to me all the time. Like, the yeah, I'll be like, it's hot outside. It's not that hot. You're like, motherfucker. Dog like to sleep outside. Yeah, dogs like to sleep outside. Dog doesn't like to sleep outside, Dad. He was convinced that our little tiny Maltese liked sleeping outside. That's what he told me. I'm like, mm. The dog's like, put me in a purse. Don't you know where I belong? <laughs> dogs, and they love drinking from the swimming pool. That was the other lie he told me. And they love getting bathed with the hose. He would bathe our dog with a hose. A little tiny Maltese. I'm like... Just shivering. Yeah, just miserable. <laughs> Thank God I had a stepmom who was who was appalled. I mean, I was too little to really know. I thought, I thought that's what people did. Yeah. And she was like, you can't do this. You're going to kill her. Did she step in and nurture at all? Or? She did, yeah. Yeah, yeah she was... Nur- but she also came from like a hard knocks Hungarian background. Like fucking hardcore Eastern Bloc. Yeah. Like her mother had committed suicide. Like she came home from high school one day and just saw her mom hanging. Oh my god! And and then when I'd ask her about it, would be like, "It's fine. Everything's fine. I don't care about." It. They're like, mm, "Okay, you I have, go to therapy." I have a friend with it, the exact same story. Really? Yeah. It's, it's it's crazy, and I I hear myself responding to even you telling me the story or myself responding to her and I'm like oh my god oh my god I'm just my heart's breaking and then it's just stone face like yeah what it's fine it's, it's fine, fine. coping like, man no it's not it's not <laughs> it's, it's never fine and I 
I don't think you ever get over your childhood wounds. You don't get over it. You just learn to manage right. the awful. You just, you manage it. You never really get, you never stop wanting stuff to be different than it was. I don't think. I, I don't. Those people who are like, oh, I wouldn't. I love when people are like, I wouldn't have it any other way. It made me going, <laughs> actually, no. Right. I would have preferred a lot better of a childhood. Thank right. you very much. I would have preferred it. Okay, let's see. So here's the the the, the, philo- the philosophy. Oh. <laughs> Those who are philosophy inclined might ask, which comes first, the narcissism of the individual or that of the society in which he is formed? There probably is a point at which the ills and emphases of a society and the neuroses of individuals living within it feed into a common stream. I mean, first of all, we live in a society, especially in Los Angeles, that really validates your appearance, uh, your status, your power, your money. You know, you got to keep up with those Joneses. You got to have the right house, the right car. Oh, God. It's, it's exhausting. It is exhausting. So I just said, fuck it, and move to the valley. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in the valley. Uh-oh. But can you ever really escape that? No. From modern society, it's... No, well, and it's everywhere, too. It's not just L.A. I mean, Marianne says we're a sick planet. Marianne Williamson, our, yep. our goddess. Yep. The guru. <laughs> it's, it's hard to wrap your head around. It sounds so sensational, but if if you think about it, we are living in I think it's turning I think it's going to a better place I mean the the generation before us didn't even worry if they were narcissistic I mean here we are sitting here right criticizing ourselves and trying to make sense of it and embracing our neuroses and identifying and that's a that's a big step so I do think it'll be a slow trickle but yeah, it will bleed out into the the universe. We'll see what happens. Yeah, because that's true. At least there's a vocabulary yeah. for stuff that I feel like our parents just didn't have. Or it's more the, mainstream. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's yeah. Or therapy. Imagine I've <laughs> I tried to talk my dad into going to a therapist. It was like trying to explain algebra to my dog. Like, right. What? <laughs> what the kind of shit? Kind of fucking stupid shit is this? What am I gonna talk about? <laughs> But also, too, um, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and the demand to to report everything you're doing all the time. And for it to look fantastic. Oh, right. It's like... It, right. We, we in TV development have had a couple really big discussions on that where we just keep burning to make a show that's like, what the fuck? Your life does not look like that. Your life does not fucking look like <laughs> that. And that's like the that. name of the show. Yeah. Bullshit. Your At life some point, I think like it was that. called No Filter, which was oh, like, I like, like that. settling on the Instagram lingo. But it's, uh, I'm obsessed with it. And and yet I still am like, you can see my 11 lines and that, so I'm going to put a filter on it and I look better and I post that shit. <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, we're all prone to a little vanity. And right. I post with filters. Are you kidding me? If they're there, I'm going to use them. Right. Um, but I think it's a little darker than that. I think what's insidious about oh, this fucking mic keeps going out. My ears. Yeah, I got one. One in. You one got out. you got one on yours. Okay, this hold one's on. popping. Hold on. It's my husband's fault. You know, everything's my husband's fault. <laughs> he comes in here and he touches stuff with his bear paws, and they're too big. It's too. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, it's stupid fur. There's fur in all the buttons and the gadgets. Where were we? Okay, Instagram. Oh, 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 oh. It's more insidious. It's not. It's not even like the filter. It's like that's whatevs. That's right. like 
that's you know peewee squad yeah <laughs> what kills me is the constant updating of how fantastic my life is right having burgers you know woo, woo, everything ah, look at all my friends yeah. look how much fun we're having all the time and, and the the danger especially for like teenage could you imagine being a teenager and not being invited to that rad time oh that they're having on Instagram or on Facebook. You yeah. know, as an adult, I can go, oh, give me a fucking break. Like, you're having cheeseburgers right. with your friend. Relax. Yeah, I see you're drinking wine again. Congratulations. We all drink, you know. I'm going to play devil's advocate. Sure. And I don't disagree with you. I'm just curious. How dare you cross me? No, I, I'm <laughs> feeling you. I'm just a storyteller so i'm wondering is the medium this is just devil's advocate yes, is the yes. medium that different are we too old to understand the medium like if yes. if the guy comes back and he's like this party was fucking raging i was doing <laughs> keg stands and beer bongs you missed you missed it am i gonna feel as equally hurt as seeing live oh. filtered badass updates i don't know <sighs> i feel like I feel like, because I know you're talking about, because that's what we had in high school. Yeah. Should have been there, man. Yeah. And it hurt for a second. Yeah. But I wonder if, like, the real time, like, that looks, <laughs> it's the fact that it looks way better than it probably actually was. That's the thing. Yeah. And that's the thing, is that the photograph um, isn't reality. Everybody knows that images are manipulated. Right. Um, it's always the perceived time that happened, not the real thing. Yeah. Well, people in just folklore in general and, and storytelling verbally being around a lot longer, I think have been able to identify the big fish story. Like, okay, it didn't happen that way, but we accept that we, we understand it better. I think we're just now learning how to decipher if this picture that we see, this square picture is what is real about it. I think like as far as verbal storytelling goes, we've, we've got that down and we understand yeah. what's real and what's not to an extent. To an extent. Yeah. But yeah. images, can be manipulated and yeah yeah i just i wonder what it's like to grow up as i mean you're basically growing up as narcissus you're you're growing up with a reflection of you all the time and i i do social media because of my career i have to be on that stuff because if you're not you're just dead but like i didn't like it i still don't necessarily enjoy social media because I just didn't grow up with it. To me, it's it feels vain. It feels so narcissistic. Every time I post something on Instagram, I wince just a little bit. I go, God damn. <laughs> Who the fuck wants to know that I got my nails done and I chipped them already? But I right. I got to share something. Otherwise, I don't have a presence. <laughs> do you have a, uh, um, do you try to run everything through your own filter of like, well, obviously comedy, but what... Is there anything that's off limits or where where do you go to feel comfortable? Like how do you rationalize and deal with it and say it's just for work and here's what it's going to be? Yeah. Well, I think personal life, I have a very distinct thing between personal and public. For instance, I won't be posting pictures of my kid on, but just because we're semi quasi public figures and I don't fucking think so. Huh? (laughs) I said, and it gets creepy then. Yeah. Yeah. And plus there's pedophiles in the world and kidnappers and I want to protect. And also like kids don't ask for a digital footprint. Right. Um, And now it's, it's like a given that you're going to have a digital footprint from the time you're in, in utero basically, which is so fucking crazy. crazy. Um, But okay. So the, the line for me is like, 
obviously like my home, I think where I hang out regularly, where I go to be alone or I go with my husband, I'm not necessarily down. Like, I don't understand why people are like, we're at, uh, we're at rock and brew right now. And and you're like, why are you putting where you are on the internet? Are you fucking crazy? Cause you didn't, we didn't do that. We're just not of that generation. My parents are in full blown, like, full-blown social media right now oh it's, god it's like they just fucked for the first time <laughs> they can't stop they're like we're on k west just got this fish just had this beer just tasted this rum we're so happy look at our grandkids like everything is out there and i think because they didn't grow up in it i can see them coming from a more pure sharing communal place yeah like they're really just like we are so stoked that we can keep up with people's lives yeah where I'm a little bit more like you, where I'm like this, it, it, it didn't. I didn't start off that way. I don't fully. I, I remember carrying around the Kodak <laughs> instant cameras and then printing doubles for my right. friends, and that was about it. And right, and tack it up on your wall. But and if you lost it, you lost it. This, yeah. If Facebook had been around when I was sixteen, it would have been trouble. Right, because back when we were growing up, pre Facebook era, the 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 public sphere. The public and private sphere were really, really distinct. Yeah, like you said, you had your digital, your disposable camera. You take pictures. You maybe if you got around to printing those things right. out, most of the time you didn't. Yeah, and you gave out copies, and even that felt like you were naked because well, now that photographs out there in the world. But it was special. It was yeah. here. I I made this for you, and we we have it, and there's limited prints, and now it's. I don't know. I feel like if your burger's that good. <laughs> Does everybody need to know? Like, isn't that between you and the person splitting the burger? <laughs> and that the- was a problem for me in, in my relationship, actually. I I will post family pictures. I will, if it's an, in a communal space and I want to share something with the people I love and the internet is the only way to do it and I don't want to email well, them. Well, and your friends are your immediate friends and family, like real right. friends and family. I totally understand that. Right. Yeah. But in my relationship, I was with someone posting all the time for the sake oh god and it was creating this this world that to me didn't feel like existed what were the posts because that's exactly what i'm referring to is this narcissistic friend in question (laughs) this person's feed (laughs) yeah it well now it's kind of become something that i can wrap my head around a little more in an artsy way like he just takes good photos and it it morphed into that but in the beginning it was the the perfect family photo or the perfect or we were having a really shitty time actually and here I'm going to post a picture on on Mm. this pier of my family with like a best day ever caption (laughs) and that's that's what where I was like I'm it just felt very inauthentic yeah and what does that do to to young people's brains that's what I'm thinking of the the complete contradiction yeah of hey this trip isn't great right now and it's telling you it's it's not hot outside right. it's like your dad telling you that it's yeah. totally invalidating yep. and totally confusing to a person who hasn't figured out the world yet right that's what I'm thinking yeah I think that might be the problem for young people is like remember when um not Caitlyn Jenner had the daughter had her lips done mm-hmm. recently. And then all the kids were sucking on bottles to make their lips. <laughs> I puffy. only know that from your feed. Oh, right. It was so stupid. <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> it was so dumb. And the ones like that were really in pain and started crying were obviously the best, but <laughs> yeah, but that's the, that's the problem of the distinction of reality versus, yeah. uh, you know, show business reality, which is, 
fucking horribly different. And that's the thing. I I, I don't know if people still get that it's all a veil. I don't yeah. know. Who the hell knows? Okay, so let's get back into this book. I just love this. Um, so basically, uh, uh, the problem with the narcissistic parent, this is what this book is about. Uh, hold on, let me see this. <laughs> and what's really scary is that children of narcissists can grow up into being narcissists because you reject yourself um, the same way your parents do unconsciously. The narcissist rejects themselves unconsciously. That's the whole thing. It's rooted in self-loathing because they were likely raised by narcissists themselves. Right. And I just highlighted this sentence. It says, how can he accept offspring who are the product of his own unconsciously despised self? His attitude is a variant of the Groucho Marx syndrome. I would not join any member, and sorry, I would not join any club that would have me as its member. Here transposed into, I would not love any child that would have me as its parent. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy. Isn't that horrible? It is. And the thing with the, the narcissistic parent, which is really interesting, is that um, a lot of people go, uh, you know, did they, did they really set out to hurt me? You know, I have that problem with my mom. I go, God, well, did she just deliver? Was she evil? Right. And the thing is, is that they don't even see you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's worse than that. It's not even evil. It's they're incapable of seeing anybody. Yeah. I can't imagine <laughs> a. Ugh, I can't imagine that. I I love my children so much. Yeah. I can't imagine that, but I do fear in certain moments. And do they feel like I'm not seeing them? And it's, oh, it's huge, right? Yeah. Being seen. Yeah. I think they, but you know what, Leslie, you, you're the kind of person, from what I've known of you, 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 you do see people, you do see. Mm, I feel like I do. Beings. My hypercritical voice is probably the product of my upbringing. <laughs> but I'm working on it. <laughs> what is your hypercritical? What, what do you hear the most? What's your, what's your hypercritical? I think a lot of listeners of this show have the same thing yeah. and it's unconscious sometimes sometimes it's just it's like a knee-jerk thing you just hear it i can't put my finger on it but i liken it to listening to yourself in headphones or listening to yourself <gasps> on uh, like a recording, a recording. Oh. there's nothing worse and there's no reason for you to hate it it's just <sighs> it's the worst. that's kind of how i i feel i'm getting better at it but i i'm just so critical of myself and i don't I don't remember the words coming out of my parents' mouth criticizing me. I just remember I remember some kind of overcompensating perfection from a lack. And I, I'm trying to figure it out right now, but it's I I do think I've felt unseen a lot of times. Or in charge of my uh maybe nar- narcissistic parents' feelings. Yes. That was really hard. Like the to have my mother bawling on my shoulder for a couple of years of my life when I was probably seven was tough. I, I think my mom's, it sounds like my mom was less of an asshole than your mom, like not downright aggressive asshole, but completely unaware of the emotional just like bucket she was pouring over my head all the time. So you are responsible for her feelings. Yes. And that that went on and I saw it even more clearly when I had children so I think the critical voice my critical parent voice is don't do that and I'm so I'm so critical of myself and so worried that I'm going to repeat those mistakes that I think sometimes I even 
create a manifest the mistakes not even knowing you know oh right you're trying to correct it so much that you go into the turn anyways kind of thing i'm i'm getting a lot better at just chilling the fuck out and just like (laughs) have a good time with your kids and let them eat mac and cheese and chill out right yeah that that perfectionism thing i think that's something you and i both have uh you're not only child though right no i have a brother and then two stepsisters yeah, because uh, a lot of only children have it, but also children of narcissists do because uh, the thing is, let me see if I can explain this. Like, for instance, my mom kind of made me a performer. Like, she threw me into acting classes when I was four. So she wanted me to be an actor. And here's the best part. She put me in adult acting classes. <laughs> when you were four? When I was four. Four. And I remember one night the exercise was to learn how to kiss on camera. Why did the people <laughs> leading the class not right. say something? They're like, sure, yeah, we'll take you. That's like four <laughs> yeah, years yeah. old. Yeah. That's and that, here's the thing is I asked her when I was talking with her like years ago, I was like, Mom, I get that you put me in an I'm sure I didn't ask to go in acting. I'm I'm certain I'm certain of it as four year olds. Most four year olds don't go, I want a job. Right. <laughs> Uh, Get me a tax return. Yeah. Can you know what I don't have right now? <laughs> I don't have a little fluffy seahorse, and I also need a tax return. <laughs> Is there a W-9? Like, yeah. I mean, it was preposterous. And I asked her, I go, why Why did you put me in adult acting? Why didn't you put me in a, ch- a child's class? Well, I mean, I did the best I could, Christica. I did the best I could. Like, very defensive and shitty, as opposed to like, I don't know. I don't know. Kind of, it was weird, wasn't it? Yeah. Gosh, sorry. You know, um, what was the point of that? I don't even remember anymore. I'm so fucking thrilled. I just remember watching the grown-ups Frenching when I was in this I was four, and I was like, what is going on here? That's when you're perceptive enough to like hear their spit and just be like, uh, why do people do that? Why do people Frenching? Oh, I know why I brought that up. So the point is, is that my mother encouraged me to be a little performer, and then what they do, because they actually don't want you to be the thing that they want you to be, they will subvert and my mother sometimes would actively criticize me, but she criticized me in other ways. But it's, it's the thing of you never being good enough. Mm. I wasn't, even if I got the commercial, which I did commercials as a kid or whatever, it's never good enough. You're not in a movie you're not really? on this. Yeah. <sighs> and I think that's what makes you the, the made me the perfectionist of, yeah, but it's not good enough. Yeah. And I, what I do to myself, the inner critic is like, like if I do get something, something positive happens, I'll downplay it. Right. Yeah, but that wasn't. That's not good enough because it's not ba ba ba, or it's not this, it's not that, and that's that sucks because I don't celebrate the small victories because right. everybody has failures and everybody has successes. We don't even celebrate your own successes. It's really silly, and I'm just realizing that now. Yeah, <laughs> as I'm, an adult, I definitely had to go through a learning how to take compliments or oh forget it i still hate that i'm like yeah or you know that outfit looks good on you yeah did you see the barf on my shirt like i can't even (laughs) i can't even get to the thank you right but i really like in rethinking narcissism i really love the permission i love the discussion of granting permission to let yourself live within that celebratory space that's all about you Mm. and then balancing it out with giving it to someone else like i know it's oversimplified but it i hadn't thought about it in that way i haven't and i love that you're bringing this up because i'm just learning how to do that yeah so talk more about it well i think i think we we swing between those two extremes a lot and i think if you haven't 
found your balance if you haven't found your healthy five on a one to ten in terms of narcissism if we are thinking of narcissism strictly as how to feel special and appreciating feeling special i think it's it's easy to be a a pendulum a healthy form of narcissism is is feeling good about yourself without being too inflated obviously Right, right and it's not just it's not just feeling good about yourself but it is relishing it is relishing the things that we think we don't like about narcissism. Like if you look at artists that are, you know, if could Van Gogh have been better had he not cut his ear off, people would have different <laughs> arguments about what fueled his creativity. But I don't know. I think I just lost my train of thought. I know what happens on the show a lot. <laughs> it's because there's like, there's like 10 pistons firing at once. I know when you, a, when you're guests, I got a lot of examples. I want to say, <laughs> it'll it'll come just yeah that's why i make notes sometimes when we yeah. talk because i'm like oh shit i gotta um here well we'll move on and if it comes to yeah. you just interrupt me so I, these are just parts i've highlighted in this book i thought were interesting here's another passage it says the child is raised to mockery nasty laughter a finger pointed an accusation expressions of disgust and rejection the outcome of so much shaming is that the child shrinks away from contact he seeks in a, he seeks invisibility to feel safe. Grown up, such a person will live behind and through people, but never out front for himself. The exposure of his inner being is too threatening. Wow. And I think that's what we're kind of leaning about, leaning into, is what you're saying of like not wanting to take full credit or not right. wanting to be. And I struggle with this horrendously, especially you know, that's my job is to be a performer. And for many years I was just terrified to make a CD terrified to put myself out there. And to some extent, like now I'm, now I'm over it, but you're just, it's like, it's such a, it's such a self-sabotaging thing of like, I want to do this thing, but I don't feel like I can, (laughs) you know, like what the fuck is that? Do you feel like if you had not been thrown into that, like yourself that you can identify aside from, environment do you think you would have been drawn towards performing or was it oh geez yeah you know what that is I, it's a combination of my mom and then um this is horrible it's horrible we talked about this in therapy um and my dad <laughs> um we used to drink a lot growing up and he and the hungarians would come over and get drunk and um i got a lot of attention telling jokes yeah. and i did a, i got a lot of attention being funny that's how people paid attention to me Otherwise, I would just disappear because yeah. nobody was paying attention unless I was shucking and jiving. Right. And then that's now, look, I entertain drunks for a living. Scary because it feels it feels right. Right. It doesn't feel good all the time, but it feels right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's scary, yeah. isn't that? That's, scary. that's so deep, bro. It's terrifying. I I don't know how I ended up here. I'm in like a I'm in a weird like purgatory performer profession because I'm mm. am expected to tap dance in certain ways and tell stories in certain ways and then shut it off so the talent can actually do it. You know, it's mm-hmm. it is interesting. It's just like the dynamics of a, a room and who's commanding it and who's telling the best story and why they're there telling it is fascinating to me. Like it's yeah, isn't it? It's interesting when you can succeed at something like that and mm-hmm. then have no clue why or how. You, like, I, I guess I haven't had as much therapy on how I ended up in Los Angeles. And I there's nothing I can can pinpoint other than I just kind of fell here. But 
I need to I need to ask Dr. Tall about that. <laughs> well, I think you know, there's also there's also a positive side to your drives, your unconscious drives. Like uh, Freud uh, said that we sublimate these libidinal desires into other areas. So I don't know. Part of comedy for me could be sublimating a lot of anger, right? A lot of feelings that I don't know how to get through. And then, you know, oh, there's this thing that kind of re- it's a release valve on it. And then that way it becomes very positive. So it's not always right. like these negative forces mm, that because what you do for a living, you're a producer, you do great stuff. You make great things. And it's always like it's like a sausage grinder. Right. Like all the meat goes <laughs> in there. It in that casing. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but what comes out is this tasty morsel. Yeah. So who knows what's in that sausage of motivation? How dare you kick me? I'm saying. I'm just gonna leave my foot there. <laughs> it's um, yeah. It's just like it's the human sausage, I guess. Who the fuck knows? Who knows? Ah, uh, put the mustard on it. I know. Just eat that <laughs> shit, right? All right. Let's see what else we got. Oh, so so yeah. So if you have a parent or a lover, and you're like, why did this person reject me? Did they ever love me? Did they ever care for me? Do they want to hurt me? I think that's a natural... I've dated a narcissist, too, and it's so... The the draw to that person... Like, I remember this boyfriend I had. It's such a push-pull. Like, I yeah. remember being, like, way into this dude, and he just was, like, so, so in love with this other girl. <laughs> and... <laughs> with himself and his own bullshit it felt like but i was so drawn to that mess well that's what you knew (laughs) (laughs) i only love or i only know love through rejection was was your motto feels good um so here the narcissistic parent does not want to hurt his child he does not even see that there is a child to destroy since he lives his life by looking in the mirror (laughs) He needs to destroy any, quote, obstacle in his path, any situation that threatens his security. This includes a developing autonomy that helps the child grow away from him. The child is felt to be a part of him. If the child separates, he will be hurt and possibly destroyed. So he holds on as long as possible by extinguishing the spark of separateness. <sighs> That's crazy. Yeah. I, um, I've talked to Dr. Tall about that. Yeah. With my... And I'm trying to balance not knowing what neuroses I'm passing on to my kids and what my partner may or may not, and I'm trying not to go too far down that, but we have had conversations about the adornment that like a child under, you know, eight or seven, before adolescence starts, can give to their parent and how some parents will soak that up Mm -hmm. to the max. And then as soon as the child starts to separate and have their own opinions it just gets super messy mm-hmm. i'm not sure what that's going to look like or if it is going to happen because i don't i don't know i can't diagnose anyone but that's that's scary it is scary and yeah. that's exactly what happened with um with my mom is that but when i hit 12 i was out i was running the streets i yeah. was you know with my friends i was i i hated her and she couldn't handle it and she got remarried and started this new you know new family life and did she have more kids well started i shouldn't say that i mean she got remarried to a criminal he had three children right and so it was like i've got this new life now you can go and do your thing 
And I didn't know it at the time. I was just like, oh, thank God she's not on me. Right. It was actually quite a relief and one of the best things to happen to me that she just buggered off. She's like, I'm going to fuck someone else. Yeah. <laughs> go, please, go torture him. <laughs> <laughs> Stop torturing me. Get that focus off of me, please. Because, you know, they need somebody to torture. But yeah, that you're kind of like an extension of them. And also in this friend that I had, I remember she had real uh, boundary issues. She would say things like, um, you know, I wish we li- live next door and I, we could just walk into each other's houses and I didn't have to have a key. And I was like, yeah, it's fucking not going to happen. It's so <laughs> weird. Yeah. Like as much as I love my friends, no, it's not. This is all clicking right now. I had a friend break up with me and I never, I never understood what happened or why. I think I told you this. It was when I was pregnant and she was pregnant at the same time. Mm. And, um, we had that close of a friendship. We had the, like, she was the first person that ever pooped in front of me. <laughs> Whoa, that is sacred. She'd be like, hey, come here, I got something to tell you. <laughs> uh, wow. But yeah, it was, it was a pull, like a crazy, crazy, crazy magnetic pull. And I think I've changed since then and have different types of friendships. But she hardcore just, like, dumped me. And uh, mm-hmm. it went from wanting a key to my house to to not talking to me anymore but um Hmm. yeah i would love to know what her therapist says about her being a narcissist (laughs) well i mean it also could have if she was a narcissist maybe you started to assert some boundaries that she couldn't handle yeah i remember asking her to please call me back and it 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 was just like um it it wasn't uh you're not calling back me back what what are you not giving to me what i'm missing something it was just a hey i haven't talked to you in like three weeks are you okay and then she didn't call me back and i my boundary was like hey like just let me know if you're okay that that's all i'm asking and she just reacted big to that and it kind of came out of nowhere but Hmm. she may have already been on her way out and i think the moment i tried to ask or have any sort of need that's when she was just like fuck this I'm yes. Out. Yeah. And that's the thing the narcissist cannot handle is you having needs. Yeah. And you having demands or feelings that need to be dealt with. It makes like my dad's super uncomfortable with my feelings or having any kind of need. Um right. I know that the <laughs> yeah, like mm, I shouldn't even talk about it. I, I won't go into his personal uh, relationship life, but uh but let's just put it this way. A narcissist they don't they tend to like you until you pose a problem right or have are done serving your purpose You're- right which is what which is what that exact book said and this book said in the very beginning yeah they fulfill a need and then when the need is met you're discarded can you just the thought of putting that into the parent-child dynamic is so painful <laughs> Well, I'm about to find out in a few months. We'll see. <laughs> I don't think you're going to have that problem. You're, no. Or if you are, you're on top of it. No. Which is important. Can I tell you that seriously, like the one thing I'm really thankful for is a shrink that I check in with every week and yeah. like, I can go, Hey, is this, is this bad? Am I, I think I swing like really the opposite of, of like, I'm so afraid of stepping on people's bound. I'm so afraid of having needs. Yeah. I'm so afraid of like, asking for I stuff. think both of us apologized to each other four times <laughs> in the parking lot. I'm sorry I had to drive so far. I'm sorry I was late. I do the same thing. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, just, sorry. I'm sorry for existing. Did I, yeah. Did I exist too much? God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We can have an agreement. To stop apologizing to each other? Yeah. I was. I am stopping myself because I know we're going to both do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry for making that demand of you. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to come across as a person who has needs. <laughs> 
Okay, so there's one last passage. I um, oh here, let me see what this context is. Uh, all right, he can throw off the role of the deficient child who is not worth saving, and come into his own power. It was not his fault that the paternal well was dry. It is time he learned that he is worthy of love. Oh, I think that that passage was about. Um, what happens is when your parents are narcissist or you deal with one, you tend to idealize. Well, everyone idealizes their parents, I think. And then there's a point um, as a child, if you do have a narcissistic parent or lover where you go, oh, oh, they're never going to approve of me. They're never going to give me what I need right. to make this worth having. So I got to go. Right. Um, and I think I had that revelation with both my parents like a few years ago where I stopped telling them when good things were happening because they didn't give a shit. Right. <laughs> like my dad cares, but it's never the, it's not the same reaction of like a normal person. Right. Yeah. It, it wasn't special. It's not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they can't be happy for you. Right. Because it somehow diminishes them, I think yeah. is the thinking. Right. Like. Isn't that interesting? Like the way that Marianne Williamson talks about wealth and love and anything that we want to hold on to is that we think of both of those things in limited resources. And, right. And then we we take them from others because we believe it will that we both can't have them. That's Oh, you I, mean like like if yeah, like if you have a lot of money, I can't have a lot of money? Right. Right. And, and she straight up said like Stupid. who knows? There's who knows how much money there is. Like we we haven't even tapped into the full potential of what everyone can have. I know that's, again, oversimplifying it, but same goes for love, same goes for acceptance, same goes for anything, anything you want. Any resource, yeah. It's yeah. funny, Mary Ann Williamson, she has this great thing about... Um, I meant this wonderful point in my pregnancy, by the way, where I just vomit in my own mouth. <laughs> Did you have that? Just keep swallowing it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of neat, too. You run like, out of room. That's the thing. You, oh. It's just like... Put, you know, sure, it's little wieners pushing out. right on your tummy. <laughs> That's fun, though. It's last night, just out of the blue, like at four in the morning, I woke up and just puked in my own mouth for oh no my reason. God. Yeah, it's just good fun. bile. Just whatever. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Tacos. Um, what was I talking about? For fuck's sake. Mary Ann. Mary Ann. Oh, she talks about the, uh, the emotional vampires. It's funny because I was going to, I mean, I still will title this episode Emotional Vampires. Because that's kind of what the narcissist is. It's this whole thing of I'm empty. I'm I hate myself. I'm empty. Yeah. Why don't you come over here so I can just suck off your energy? Right. And that's what the narcissist does when they get a hold of you is they suck up all the love and all the stuff. And when they're done, like a tick, when they're satiated with all your blood, then they bugger off and they yeah. move on to their next victim. Vampires. That um, <clears throat> that book I was listening to told a story of again it's accepting needs being met and if you think of yourself as a narcissist a number whatever it is one to ten it's likely that you will be different numbers at different times in your life and I think I had never thought of narcissism that way I just thought either you are or you aren't it's a diagnosis either you have it or you don't um like NPD but um I don't I don't have the answer or a way to sum it up, but I think it is interesting to talk about a world where you can go and get a little blood and give a little blood and right. yeah, I don't 
in a parent child relationship, especially like there are very clear boundaries that were designed by whoever made all this shit with like strict rules in mind. Like this brain cannot understand blood being sucked from it for this amount of time. And they have to be the center of your universe and you have to care for them in a certain way. And then you're going to wean yourself off of it. And yeah, there's nothing more heartbreaking than the thought of a parent doing that to a child. Just yeah, when they're supposed to be pouring over, <laughs> not helicoptering, yeah. right? Like you hate, but, but, but right, giving some kind of nurturance. But that's the problem: is that the narcissist is so broken and so yeah. damaged that they weren't given love, and they don't know how to give love. And then that's the cycle that goes around in the world yeah. until that person can be helped. You know? Yeah, it's not my parents' fault. They grew up so they shitty. Had parents, <laughs> they had shitty parents. Yeah. yeah, it's just shitty parenting. Is that crazy that that's like the root of a lot of society's ills is just shitty parenting? I know. <laughs> well, and like, <laughs> so well, crazy. and like just stopping with that too. It's like not taking responsibility. I mean, we all had shitty parents in some way, but of course, how do you self-parent? How do you? What do you look to? Is it God? Is it meditation? Is it prayer? Like, how are you going to fucking figure your shit out? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's I think a huge part of that's Debro the show is about accepting responsibility for your own shit. Yeah. I mean, hey, man, I, I'm open about my past, but it's only because I accept responsibility and I'm trying to move forward. It's like from here on, this is how I want to do stuff. Right. I'm not going to do this to my kid. I refuse to make the same mistakes my parents did. And I'm sure to some extent I will. Right. Because it's, <laughs> nobody's perfect. It's not going to go down perfectly. But give yourself the tools to try to make to it right. Give yeah. yourself a goddamn fighting chance. Yeah, read a book, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Read a book, bitch. That's a perfect ending uh, to the show. <laughs> or listen to a book. Listen to a book, bitch. Read a book, shit. God bless audiobooks. I know. Aren't they fantastic? The traffic was really a problem for me for a long time. And then it's just oh. light bulb audiobooks. Podcasts, audiobooks. Like, why not make your life valuable as you're sitting in traffic? I never, yeah. I'll never just listen to radio. Maybe Howard Stern, but like, never. So there you go. There you have it. Thank you, Leslie, for being uh, for with us. And uh, I'm for vomit. <laughs> and um, <laughs> go read some books, bitch. That's the <laughs> message of today's show. All right, guys. Thank you. Uh, oh, oh, I got to get my outro ready. See, you know, I have a 30 some episodes and I still. Do you need a. <laughs> Oh, it's so loud. Do you need a producer? I do need a producer. Can you quit your other job and come here? And <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay, guys. Thanks. We'll see you next time. It's been Deep Bros. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with It's Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke. Or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. 
it is the ultimate metaphor for life. And you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.